I'm Brad Gordon, and I'm an art teacher at Fusion Academy. And I work with a group of fantastic teachers. This summer, I'm catching up with them on their ideas on education. This is Summer League. today is Rachel Harper. She's a writer and she's an English teacher here at Fusion Academy and she's been teaching here the longest out of anybody. We're going to sit down and learn a little bit about her and in part two she's going to talk to us about running and stories. I've got Rachel Harper here in the art studio today and uh, she's an English teacher. She teaches life skills psychology psychology what all what all do you teach here uh predominantly english all levels um and psychology yeah some life skills if it fits in but uh mostly english and psychology thanks so much for coming on to summer league and um talking today sweet I'm glad to do it i think it's an awesome idea and you are a you're a red letter day uh, for the podcast. You're like an OG of the school here. You've been yeah. teaching longer than anybody. We're here on camp on this here on, on this campus. <laughs> this campus yeah. and anybody in the world, and um, <laughs> you're just such a, a good friend. And I'm really glad to talk with you. Thanks. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up here? at Fusion the Woodlands teaching and a little bit of your just uh, where are you from? Sweet. Uh, so I'll try to make a long story short. Originally from Colorado, uh, born in Colorado Springs. Um, parents separated when I was really young and my mom's job relocated her to Kansas when I could say halfway through middle school. Um, and so she went to just outside of Wichita, Kansas. I went with her. Um, so I'd split my time between my mom and dad. So school, stayed in Kansas, breaks, I was in Colorado. Um, graduated from there, went to a junior college on a running scholarship, and then transferred back to Western State Colorado University. And like started my educational path there, uh, but got really turned off of it when No Child Left Behind was passed. I was about halfway mm. through there and I was like, Ugh, testing, no. <laughs> like I, I, I don't even test well myself. Why would I force that on students? So I quit that um, and decided to join the Peace Corps. Um, and while I was waiting for that, yeah, surprise. I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't? No. I thought you did. Yeah, well, um, I have a medical condition that barred me from that. And like while I was waiting for that whole process to go through, I moved down here to Texas where my mom and my... And two of my sisters were at, um, my mom got really ill and I was like, yeah, I'll come and help, you know, with my sisters and stuff. Um, and then found out like that all this medical stuff was going on. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So I was like, well, let's readjust life plans. Um, ended up <laughs> uh, taking a job as a substitute teacher in the Texas prison system. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and was like, okay why did i do that but you know it when you live in huntsville texas it's either you work for the university there or you work for the prison system that's pretty much like 
the main jobs available and I didn't have a higher degree at the time so yay prison um and then because of my medical condition I needed full time for insurance and stuff to get that figured out and I became a correctional officer and that is what led me to educate like to really start getting serious about being an educator um especially the mentor aspect of it because uh, I see where like a lack of that community aspect really affects people and like what happens to people when they don't have that specific influence in their life or even you know somebody to go hey I care about you and I want you to do well um, and I was like okay that really motivated me to be here um, started off in a public school totally failed at that and I was about to give up on education when my therapist was like, hey, you should check out Fusion. And I was like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm over. I'm over it. Like, I'll just go work for the YMCA and just, you know, be a mentor that way. Um, what, the more I got to know about Fusion, the more I was like, this is incredible. And I'm so glad I got hired because like, I couldn't imagine teaching anywhere else. So you've had yeah. so many different types of experience. Yeah. That's really interesting. It's, yeah. It gives you, like, perspective on like, what's out there regarding education. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was your first job in general, um, not even in education? Uh, well, in high school, I worked for Dairy Queen, uh, but in college, I worked for a ski resort slash costume shop. Where you were at Western, was it kind of like, a, was it rural? Was it small town? Yeah. Was it? Uh, definitely rural, small town, Colorado, ski bum vibe going on. Like, granted, the ski resort was up in Crested Butte, Colorado, but Gunnison had the university. It was, was like 30 miles away, super small. Maybe when school's in session, there's 10,000 people living there. So it was awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. That sounds a lot like where I went to school for a year at Appalachian State oh, yeah. University. And it's like ski town. Uh, everybody's pretty chill. Everybody, you know. Yeah, laid back. Yeah. But there was like a powder day. Like nobody showed up for class. <laughs> they were all skiing or snowboarding. I remember... The first fall I was there, the first snow that we had, I was walking out of the dorms and there's this, you know, cl uh, clusters of dorms there. And I was walking out of the dorm and this guy, I just saw him like streaking through the parking lot <laughs> wearing socks. Oh my gosh. Nothing but socks. And just <laughs> nice. took this like nose dive into the field <laughs> and then ran back in the dorm. <laughs> it was like... <clears throat> That's the most college thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, did you ever think you would be a teacher when you were younger? No. Absolutely not. Um, what did you think you were going to do when you were a kid? I knew, like, I wanted to help people and, like, serve people in some capacity. Uh, my dad and stepmom were... Uh, educators and my mom did a lot of service work we uh she actually worked a lot on native reservations so when i was with her like during spring break or even part of the summer um depending on like what my parents figured out for like scheduling wise we were on the res in arizona like in uh, 
the Navajo Nation. Yeah. Um, and that, like, my dad being a teacher, my mom doing that had a profound effect um, on me. Because, like, in their own ways, they were like, you you treat people the other way, the, or not the other way, the way you want to be treated. And, like, it's just kind of the, the service part of it. Like, cool, I want to give back what's been given to me. So why not help people? Why not? So some aspect of that, um, specifically, I don't know what it was going to be, um, but I knew I was going to do some sort of service work. Were you exposed to your dad's work in the Navajo reservation? Were you around that? A lot. lot? Yeah. Um, What was that like? It was interesting um, because the the reservations i'll start with that first you know and i there's not a lot of trust with white americans and i totally get it like yeah (laughs) you like yeah history speaks for itself um and just the culture of the people that live on the res um it's just oh it's amazing um and to be a part of that to like be trusted by the people to open up their homes and the the reservation for us to come on and and experience that was really uh, fulfilling and enriching. Um, it helped me see the other side of life. Uh, it's like there's a lot of poverty on the reservations, a lot, and to be exposed to that and to be humbled by it and to be in awe of what these people were going through, what they were experiencing, and to still have a sense of self, a sense of like, this is who we are, this is where we come from, um, was just, it was great. Uh, And then on the flip side, to see my dad be so passionate about what he was doing. So he was a PE teacher, um, and he was also a coach. So (laughs) that's where the running influence really came from. And to see him come alive, basically, when he was doing his job was really cool. Um, and to see him interact with the students, it was like, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> you know? And you know, the same way with my mom, like seeing her do her thing, it's like, wow, this is really cool. Like, the just like you're putting yourself out there for, for these kids, for these people, and like without judgment. And it was, I loved it. Like, at the time, being a teenager, no. You know, it's like, oh, my friends are skiing. I want to go skiing. But now, looking back, I'm like, yeah, it was a really humbling experience. I'm glad I went through that. That's really cool. I like that you could, that you saw part of your dad's personality kind of uh, amplified when he became a teacher. You got to see a different side of him that Mm was um, connected to his job and educating people and helping people. And your parents always know something or are so connected to you that when you see that as a young person, even though you might be interested in skiing, like yeah. that's your MO, it comes out later sometimes. Yeah, and I'm totally seeing that now, especially being an educator. It's like, oh yeah, this is why I'm here. This is why I care about this, is because of what I went through uh, growing up. Um, and. I, I value that now. Like, cool. I want to pass that on. Was there anybody for you that you kind of model your teaching style on? Um, no. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I just kind of grab what I like from everybody else and smash it together and be like, 
put a Rachel twist on it and be like, this is how I teach. <laughs> um, definitely, like, while I was going through the teacher certification process and, like, being in public school, um, the I do, we do, you do method works for me. Um, I like that method. Could you break that down a little bit? Yeah. For everybody? For everybody, yeah. So, um, it's one way to teach that, like has been proven um so i learned this through sam houston university that it has been proven to be an effective way where like you model a technique or something that you want your students to master and so you like write it on the board do whatever um it is uh, that you're doing you show the student first like okay cool today i'm gonna show you how to um, annotate this poem for a specific literary device you don't have to go through the whole entire thing highlighting underlining blah 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 um and then show them like cool here's repetition here's repetition here's repetition yay you annotated now here's another poem the we do method and we're gonna walk through the process together so i know that you're understanding where i'm coming from and then help them through it and then you know find a third poem and Give it to them and be like, cool, now I want you to show me all on your own that you understand how to annotate for a specific item. And then just sit back and let the student do it. Um, and then that's a great way to see if, um, usually I, I do that in the classroom and then give them maybe a reading assignment to do in the homework cafe. Um, but I'm getting a really good gauge of where they're at in their understanding where I might need to reteach or back up and adjust something for the next class period. So that's just a little teaching tip for everybody out there. What? what? <laughs> I never heard of that until coming here. The I do, we do, you do. Oh, really? But it totally it makes total sense. Yeah, and the trick to that is not to overthink it, because uh, I've gotten into that aspect a few times, and I'm like. Yeah, I'm gonna back away for just a second while I'm planning because I am way overthinking this and it's just Keep it. I do we do you do boom <laughs> So I feel like I have a pretty good handle on like style mm -hmm. um, But like ideas the resources I definitely rely heavily on other people um, and uh, Either teachers here on campus or you know Google search. That's always fun sometimes uh, <laughs> Yeah What's one resource that you use all the time that if you're looking at teachers outside of here mm -hmm. that you kind of go to? Uh, there's a few. Um, one of them, Read, Write, Think, that website. There's a lot of good go-to things. Um, NEA, National Endowment for the Arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I go there. Um, they have some really cool stuff for novels. Um, and then... Oh, I just forgot it. Damn it. Um, oh, Edusitement, I believe. It's a lot of humanities-based things, so... Education, excitement, edusitement. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably go there. Because um, that website I really like because it incorporates a, um, a lot of history with the literature. And I feel like history and literature um, go hand-in-hand hand a lot my beliefs behind literature is that it's a reflection of society at that time and it tells you a lot about what people were doing, what they were thinking, and you know, the social norms, societal norms. Um, so why not learn a little bit of history while you're doing some reading?
Love it. Pow, yeah. <laughs> so somebody you talk about sometimes is your coach in high school. Yeah. Your running coach, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, track coach. Yeah. Um, talk about that. Was it... Uh, who who were they? Okay. So Mr. Reichert um, was definitely... Probably out of like everybody in high school was somebody I trusted the most. Like I had some pretty good teachers, um, but him... I opened up to a lot. Um, like my mom and my sister's dad, my stepdad, separated when I was in a junior. Um, and so like I relied on him a lot. And just running in general, being a part of the cross country and track teams to process that. Cause I was really pissed off about it. It's like, what? <laughs> what the hell? Um, but having him, having that team that I felt like I could be a goofy teenager. So how did he do that? He let me be me. He would just be like, just shut up and run. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like he literally, cause like, I would be like, <laughs> shocker, so full of energy. Um, <laughs> not me, never. That uh, he would be like, you're a crack addict, go run. Like chill out. <laughs> and that really, I was like, okay, like I needed that. You know? yeah. But I knew it came from a place of love. I knew he was just joking with me. Like I never took offense to it um, because I enjoyed it so much that I was like, you're right. I do need to go run. <laughs> um, Did you guys ever butt heads? Uh, I didn't really start butting heads till college. Because <laughs> uh, sometimes I don't like to be told what to do. You know, I would get frustrated sometimes, especially if I felt like a workout didn't go very well. Because he'd be mm-hmm. like, what's going on? I'm like, I, uh, I don't know, you know. Um, but so, like, outside of that, it was really, like, I loved him. He was really cool. Did he kind of keep tabs on your academics, too? Like, outside of just track? Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we had to definitely keep a certain GPA um to stay on the team um and i i like to talk and in high school i got kicked out of class a lot for just being a goofball and talking and so mostly in band mostly in band um and so he like at some point like he would always come by when i was sitting out in the hall because i'd get kicked out of band and at first he was like what 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 and by like the third or fourth time he was like again i'm like yeah he's like all right see you at practice <laughs> <laughs> you know, i i wasn't a bad student i was just i was goofy you know yeah. my grades weren't bad i was just goofy yeah yeah what you're supposed to be doing yeah i was just age. being a regular teenager yeah. you know he he knew so what differences do you notice between your own education, like you being in high school, and the way you teach now? Um, I get it more now. I think, like, yeah, I, like, I get it. Like, being a teenager is hard, and, like, we, you're dealing with your body changing, you're dealing with, like, trying to figure out who you are, what you want to be. Um, and like the balance of that, like, do I put on this mask? Do I put on that mask? It, like, ah, um, and like just for my own, you know, struggles in school of like trying to pay attention and, you know, not liking a certain class, which was English, which is really weird, um, to, you know, like the social aspect of like, 
I wasn't popular, but people knew me because I was really good at cross country and track. I got bullied by the popular girls, but like I, I didn't hang out with the nerds. Um, and so I try to bring that into the classroom of like, I see you, I see you struggling and that's okay. Like we're gonna get through it together. And like, you might think English is boring, but I'm gonna put pizzazz on it for you. <laughs> Everybody needs a little pizzazz. Yeah. You have to, when you're a teacher, you have a little bag of pizzazz <laughs> that you have to have handy. Yeah. You never know when you need to sprinkle some. Yeah, bright. <clears throat> like some days, <laughs> I like this expression. Um, it's just some days you need to burp glitter and fart rainbows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's what you need to do. So. Keep a spare pair of drawers handy. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You never know. <laughs> I think it's interesting what you just said about not being that great at English in high school. I was not good at art in high school. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like the world's greatest artist now, but um, I'm, I know who I am. I'm like confident in my own abilities, but yeah. I had... Of an experience in high school where my high school teacher said, you know what, maybe you should do something else. Oh. That's a, it's not disheartening. It just is kind of like, it makes you realize as a kid that everybody has an opinion mm -hmm. and you can use other people's opinions if you want, but otherwise do what you want. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, you saying that you were not that great at English in high school, and then um, now it's just such, it's such an engaging area for you. Mm -hmm. I wonder uh, sometimes if it comes too easily to some people if they lose interest in a subject area. So for example, uh. a lot of kids who were art stars at my high school ended up not being that interested in it mm -hmm. because it came really easily right. whereas if you have to kind of work for it a little harder but it's engaging to you mm -hmm. it becomes this lifelong kind of um, process that you just keep developing and keep developing is it was it like that for you where it just kind of snagged you I think so um yeah like like there's three high school English teachers that really stand out to me that um and also my grandparents uh, they were English professors at the college level um that really encouraged me to uh, to read and write like I think they saw some potential in me um and I think I just wasn't engaged the right way to appreciate English in high school where like and I would just get bored and act out um which, right, like, what what kid in middle school and high school, if you're not reaching them, would do that? Um, because I love, I've always loved reading. Um, I've always been a high-level reader um, and very opinionated about what I read. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that was the issue. And so once when um, I got into college, you know, I was like, well, what are you going to study? Oh, I chose journalism for the first two years. And like, I came back and I told one of my English teachers and she was like, ah, why didn't you do that in high school? Like, I wanted you to be part of the newspaper and yearbook. And I was like, oh, you did? Like, oh, I didn't think so. Like, and this was a teacher, she was like, yeah, I spent some time 
like in the hallway. Um, I definitely like exploded laughing when she got mad at us. Um, you know, and it's like, I had no idea that you saw this in me. Isn't that funny when people see things in you that you don't see in yourself? Yeah. Until later. Yeah. And they're like, I knew you were always going to do that. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I wonder sometimes if, like, if I was to go back and visit some of my high school teachers, if they're still teaching, being like, yeah, I'm an English teacher now. Like, if they would just fall over from a heart attack and be like, I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> I hope your kids give you hell like you gave me, you know? My camera. Ta-da! What's your favorite assignment or project that you give to students these days? No, I didn't want you to ask me that. <laughs> you could, I mean, I think sometimes the favorite is a hard question, uh, but do you have one? How about this? Do you, what's a project that you gave somebody recently that they just kind of took off and went above your expectation? I don't think I have one in particular that because each like the way Fusion's set up, like each student, the individualization, each student brings their own element. Um, and so like each session, just seeing the growth is like, yeah, this is my favorite. And then like another student will show up and like display something that they haven't done before. And it's like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, so I'd say like when I see a student turn in a project uh, that they haven't, you know, like with a level of analysis or articulation of their own ideas that I haven't seen before, um, I like get jazzed about it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you you like you've reached this new level and I'm so excited for you. Um one student in particular just like when um started here in 8th grade will be a senior here next year. When he came here like trying to get him to write even a paragraph for an essay was so hard I'd be like oh my gosh like we'd spend a whole session just writing two sentences and I'd be like okay I'm not going to give up um and so the end of his first semester junior no end of his sophomore year I got a five paragraph essay out of him and I was like fuck yeah like <laughs> this is it you know like so like seeing that like that really I I couldn't get over it for a while. I was like, you you just blew this out of the water. Like you just went to a whole new level and 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 guess what? You're staying there. And you know, now I'm getting pushback on it, but it's like, uh-uh, I know yeah. what you can do now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love that feeling where you're like, oh no, no, you raised the bar. Right. And the bar is here now. Yeah. So this is not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Um and and Seeing that with all this, all students, because um, I think eventually every single student at Fusion gets to that, and you know, telling them like, "Yeah, you raised the bar," and then that face of like, "Oh, oh no. shit, yeah, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I have to keep doing this?" It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's the what. That's the actual real world that we live in. Once you do something, it gets harder. Yeah. Like it really does get harder, but you become more able. Mm -hmm. and you become more confident and it gets easier in some ways to grow once you like get those first couple of rings up the ladder yeah 
mean, as you build the confidence in the student too, like um, one thing that I've always loved um, is seeing them light up when I get jazzed about something that they did. You know, you could see it in them. They kind of straighten up and go, <laughs> yeah, I did that. You know, yeah. like have some pride in their work. And, and that's awesome to see. Like I, That's just... Well, you know, we're not exactly neighbors in the school, <laughs> but I can hear your praise for students ring uh, from the mountaintop. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's something I've always admired you for is your uh, praise of students and your just genuine really excitement for them because that drives everything. Like you could have the best teaching practice mm -hmm. of all time, but if you're not supportive of your students. Yeah. You're not doing anything. No, you're going to be, like, <laughs> stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, you're not, yeah, they're not going to be motivated to do anything for you if you're not motivating them to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> for themselves. Like, it just, yeah. So I have one more question for you. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, what's the main difference between the work you did as a researcher or whatever you studied in college and what you kind of do um, as a writer and um, what you do as a teacher? And have you ever had to compromise that vision that you've had for yourself to be a better teacher? Yeah, lifetime goal is to get writing published. Um, you know, and I feel also that because of that, because I've been so dedicated to teaching English, that I've, I don't know what I want my voice to be in my writing. Um, and so I look forward to that, uh, yeah, like having that forced time to sit and be, and work on it again. Um, when did you feel like your voice was the strongest or that you had the clearest sense of your own voice and writing? Uh, probably, yeah, definitely before I started teaching when I was an undergraduate, because uh, like my English degree is an emphasis in creative writing, so I took a lot of writing classes, I got to meet up with a lot of people, we got to do a lot of writing workshops, um, and that carried on for several years afterwards. Um, now, like I attended some writing workshops down here, um, and yeah gotten to teaching and that like the professional development side of teaching has just like sucked up my time so when I get home I'm like oh, <laughs> I need sleep <laughs> yeah um but I've uh, this year I've made a point to like read more um because I definitely feel that reading helps the writer uh, just to keep exposed to other writers styles and like looking at literary magazines online and buying literary magazines to see like what's going on in the literary world um, I've been more intentional about that to keep that side of me going it's like uh, you know teachers here who who are published and or going to be published have been my big motivator of like yeah I, I really need to get back into this because I'm not getting any younger <laughs> Um, and if I want to do this before a certain amount of time, then I need to get on it again, like be more disciplined about it. Yeah. It's a, I mean, there's so many different facets that you kind of have to keep going mm -hmm. to keep your voice. Uh, part of it is the writing. Another part of it is applying to be in publications and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. We had a conversation a long time ago about, um, 
applying to things and uh, mm -hmm. the goal of 100 rejections. Yeah. And what we were talking about was that if you had an actual goal, and this is not my idea, this is uh, somebody, an article I read several years ago, but this writer had this idea that the more times you are rejected, the more chances you have of getting published mm -hmm. because you're literally just putting yourself out there. Yeah. And uh, we had this goal of getting 100 rejections. And after I came back from teaching in Tennessee at the University of the South, I had that goal of, you know, between <laughs> applying to be in exhibitions, applying to jobs, I'm going to get 100 rejections this year. Mm -hmm. And um, Fusion Academy was my sixth, was scheduled to be my sixth rejection yeah. for me a job and uh, ended up not being rejected. Yeah, look at you and now. And so <laughs> that list slowed down a little bit, but yeah. um, I just like that idea of kind of like putting yourself out there. And that's a, that's a tough thing to do, mm -hmm. um, that the more you do it, the easier it gets. Yeah, absolutely. I, 100%. I'm up to three rejections, by the way. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's like the best life lesson is like your uh, like art, creativity, anything in life. Like you are exposing you. You are being vulnerable. You are showing what's going on inside your brain and soul. And, you know, I feel like teaching's an art too, right? You're doing the exact same thing when you're teaching. You're putting yourself out there. You're being vulnerable. And rejection hurts. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like you don't want me this sucks and getting over that this sucks and going like cool i'm in it to win it let's do this again um sounds freaking crazy it sounds absolutely stupid but so necessary uh just to keep going um and so that's where uh, i think where i'm getting hung up is what is it that I truly want to write about? And I've actually been thinking about that lady lately. I'm like, what what do I enjoy reading? You know, like I love true crime. Do I necessarily want to write true crime? Eh, no, not really. But I love historical fiction as well. Um, so like doing research, I love researching and learning about things and like the history of places. Um, so maybe, you know, that's a route. And I love nature. I love being outside. And a lot of my poetry takes that shape. Um, it's hard to see yourself as what you are mm -hmm. and then see what you have to offer the world of, you know, journalism or um, poetry or whatever kind of writing it is. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the more you do it, the better the idea that you get of like, this is actually what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or um, reading other people, like what you're saying is kind of like getting an idea of what it, what are all the possibilities and that helps you to see your own writing in a clearer sense. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the life of the artistic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and Rachel is going to talk to us about stories and running. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>
And we're back with Rachel Harper. And she's going to talk to us about stories and running. So what role do both of those things have in your life? So I pick stories because they're powerful. Um, Not necessarily just because I teach English, but like we all have a story to tell. Um, And mine's through running. Um, It's uh, helped me get through a lot of things. It helped pay my way for college. It helps... It was therapy, <laughs> uh, and it's cheap. All you need to do is buy a pair of shoes that will not hurt your feet, and you just go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um, my dad was a track coach, uh, and I vividly remember, oh gosh, I had to have been in like third or fourth grade, um, and he was a middle school track coach. And I was at some track meet on the weekend, and my stepmom took my brother and I up there to be with him and just you know, hang out because, you know, we were with him on the weekends and, you know, usually he had like football or something, some sport. This happened to be track. And there was one particular kid he said I should watch because he like flies. He floats basically when he runs. And, you know, when you're in third or fourth grade, like who doesn't want to float or fly? You know, like that's the coolest thing ever. Um, And so I was watching him run the mile, this kid run the mile. And I was standing next to this like clay track and he ran by me and I was watching his feet and it really did look like he was like floating it, like his feet barely touched the ground before it was off again and I was like I want to do that that's so cool um this so is the middle school that I was attending in Colorado didn't have uh any running until like track season um they didn't have cross country and so everyone thought I was going to play volleyball then my mom moved to Kansas and the middle school there had cross country. And I was like, mom, I want to do that. And she's like, Rachel, <laughs> are you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. She's like, that's miles of running. I'm like, and she's like, no, 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 literally miles and miles of running. I'm like, okay, like I'll try it. Um, and you know, first practice I beat everybody. And I was just cruising. I was like, that's kind of cool. Uh, first meet, I finished, it was combined, um, seventh and eighth grade girls, I finished 12th. Uh, so I like that success in it got me hooked. And like the feeling that I, the release, emotional release, physical release that I got through running and just like the, the team, just being a part of something, uh, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. And I was like, hey, this is this is fun like I want to keep doing this um and that's how it all started why is it so important to to float or to fly as when you're especially like at a young age you always dream of like being free Mm -hmm. is it the feeling of being uh, uh not on your own not powerful not you know this or that like you don't have the same freedoms that you do as an adult when you're a kid mm-hmm. is it connected to that you think or is it you just want to have a superpower i think it was mostly i wanted to have a superpower because <laughs> uh, you know like i grew up a tomboy um my brother is a year younger than me so like you know whatever he did i wanted to do and he was really into um superheroes and so and like sports, so I wanted to be into superheroes and sports. So I was a twig. Like I didn't break a hundred pounds until I graduated high school. 
so like having a super power of like floating or flying when you're that tiny is freaking awesome. It's like, yes, this is possible. My small brain at this point in my life totally believes that I can do this. Why not go for it? Uh, and so like that just translated into when I saw that like, oh yeah, it's totally capable. Like this is how humans fly is through running. So did you, at what point did you have that kind of like runner's high or did you feel the kind of, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the adrenaline, the um, dopamine, <clears throat> I believe. Yeah. Yeah. The that endorphins. That the, yeah, coming through. through. I think um, when it really like hit me, uh, the the guys on my middle school team didn't really like that a girl was faster than them and it was probably when uh this one practice we were doing i think we we're just going out and running like a mile and a half and i i smoked him on it like i was just like yeah. and they got really pissed but i felt really good i was like yeah <laughs> um it was just kind of like i don't and this could be the a-hole side of me like seeing them being frustrated at me being good i was like Neater, 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 <laughs> you know, and like just like knowing that, like that just came so easy, and like I just zoned out and just went for it. Um, like and you just go to this place where it's like your brain kind of shuts off, like you stop thinking or worrying about things, and that was that day, and like I just cruised, and that felt so good, um, and. That was probably my first experience with the with the runner's high. That's interesting that you mentioned other people mm-hmm. because I think of running as this sort of the ultimate sport of the self, and like yeah. you're you're always going uh, pushing up against the boundaries of you and your limits. Mm-hmm. But what you're kind of like in your story, a lot of it is what other people are doing too. Mm-hmm. Just like a this kind of dual sport of you're competing against yourself first and then other people are this constant reminder or the thing in the back of your head that you're also competing against yeah all the time. and I think that duality is what I really liked um and what I what kept me within the the running realm uh was like I this is one it's me versus me like am I gonna show up today am I gonna you know give it my all um, and, and really try or am I going to be like and you know like oh I had a I had a crappy workout blah 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 I'm, I can't run anymore now granted I did get tired of it at one point and was like screw this I'm going to go play tennis um, but one of our track coaches was also the tennis coach so he was like dang it uh, yeah <laughs> he was like alright we're going to go play tennis and if you hit a ball over the net I'll let you quit track and join the tennis team he won. <laughs> I got a ball going every which way but over the net. Oh, and I know. I was like, I get your point. <laughs> I have talent. And like, yes, I should pursue that talent. Um, and so it's, yeah, like ultimately, and this is where like stories kind of come back into it. And like the story you want to create for your life is the battle with yourself. And running showed that to me um like you can be your own worst 
nightmare or demon, however you want to put it. Um, or you can grapple with it and be like, okay, like you can bring yourself down and granted, yeah, I still struggle with that. Or you can be like, you can let that go and be like, you know what? Tomorrow's another day. So it sounds like running is something that kind of teach is a way for you to teach lessons to yourself. Yes. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. And if you're having kind of a crappy day, then you can literally like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to show you what's up Yeah. and get your shoes on and say, we're going out for a run mm -hmm. and kind of change. You have the, um, control and the ability to change your point of view and the way, the type of day that you're having. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, it kind of is. Not I, kind of, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think of all exercises kind of being like that. Yeah, you can apply that to really any sport. Yeah, so even yeah. if you're not running, just going to the gym or just going, you know, uh, playing a sport, mm -hmm. uh, you can you can really kind of get out of your own head. Yeah. In a way that you you know you have talked yourself into having whatever kind of day you're having, mm -hmm. be it good, bad, whatever. Um, but as soon as you kind of get a little separation from that and say like, I'm in my feelings right now <laughs> yeah. and it's changeable. Mm -hmm. You just need to detach. Yeah. Like, and you know, I think that's what sports exercise, however you want to um, call it, helps us do, especially in like this day and age when there's like social media, like we can get information at a click of a button. Uh, Reconnect with yourself. Like, pull the plug. Yeah, cool, you can listen to music while you're running or doing your thing. Awesome, but reconnect with what's going on on the inside. Um, whether that be powerlifting, um, CrossFit, uh, swimming, uh, whatever it is, like, go release that. Release yourself. Allow yourself to be you in yeah. that moment of doing physical exertion. Yeah. And if there's one bad thing that I have to say about our school is that we don't have the space and don't kind of offer a lot more physical exercise opportunities. I know they're out there, right. but they're not really a part of our, you have to do this kind mm -hmm. of curriculum. Um, we do have yoga, which mm -hmm. is a really great way of, it's very like self-referential mm -hmm. kind of exercise that keeps it's always checking on in with yourself yeah as you're doing it but there's not as much physical exertion that i think a lot of kids would benefit from mm -hmm. to like force them to get out of their own heads a little more whatever yeah i agree with that um i'd say that's the only only downside really is like and and because like yeah it's just there's so many articles coming out about the benefits of physical exercise and, and mental health um that it's like it would be so helpful for a lot of our students to get that aspect but then we can also own that as teachers and be like hey you know what i think you would be really great at playing soccer have you thought about that mm -hmm. um you know but at least get that thought dropped into their head so that 
you know, maybe they go home and talk to mom and dad about it, and mom and dad can put them in a soccer league or something. Yeah. Uh, but it would be nice if we offered more. And I know, depending on, like, where the campus is at, they can. Uh, they just, yeah, I think our location isn't just conducive. It's tough. Yeah, it, it makes it tough. One thing that gets my students' eyes rolling to the back of their head is when they come in and they're super low energy and they're like, I try to get them to, you know, do a project or start working mm-hmm. or thinking or an- an- answering questions. Um, and they're not doing it and they're just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, and they're just blob mode. <laughs> as I'll say, let's do 20 push-ups. Right oh now. gosh. Like I know I sound like that, that <laughs> like asshole teacher. Yeah. But it really does like literally getting the blood pumping mm-hmm. half the time kind of gets them out of that mentality. Mm-hmm. Just a 30 seconds worth of that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like it's it's yeah, it's incredible. But yeah, that's totally an eye roll thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, students. Yeah. I would roll my eyes, too. Yeah, like, my teacher's seriously asking me to do what? Uh, why, Brock? I thought you were cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the number one thing is, like, there's no work in art. Or, right, you know, There's yeah. no exercise oh. in art. It's like, well, you're, like, and you can just combat that with, your brain is a muscle. Put some <laughs> blood in it. Let's get this moving. That's so true. Mm-hmm. That's what, like, I almost wish... Uh, English classes were not taught until like after 8.30 because like the kids that I have at 7 and 8.30, 7.30 and 8.30, pardon me, are just dead to the world. And I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have that feeling about after lunch. Oh, yeah. I think there should not be a after lunch art class. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nothing good happens then. Um <laughs> I actually had all throughout undergrad, I had eight o'clock in the morning painting classes. And you would think that that would be just the worst. And it was the best. It was so good. <laughs> like the the light in the morning was perfect. Oh, okay. That Everybody makes sense. was in there. And when you have like 20 people in a room and mm-hmm. you start your day, like everybody working um, hard on something like that, it's just creative. It's it was just the perfect way to start the day. Yeah. And it made everything else in the day that much more productive. Yeah. And I love that. But if if you can't see outside, like my classroom doesn't have windows. Oh, If yeah, you can't see the light in the morning, <laughs> you're just like, nobody should be doing anything right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm in my cave. <laughs> yeah, that's the benefit of my room is I got the windows. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it is pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. So there's this... Um, there's this rapper you might have heard of. His name is Jay-Z. He's pretty popular. <laughs> but he had this, um, like in his early career, he rode the bus everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he would um, try to memorize as many raps as he could. Mm-hmm. And so he wouldn't write anything down. He would just sit there and make up rhymes and memorize every single line. So that when he performed it, it was that much more natural. Yeah. And he would just kind of like, you know. You just spit it. Just spit it. But yeah. not write anything down, which is pretty amazing. And yeah, he that did that impressive. for the first, you know, I don't know if he did that throughout his career, but he did that for the first four or five albums. In 
one of the records he talks about it he just compares it to it being a workout mm-hmm. and for him it was this very personal um kind of exercise to see how how much he could remember mm-hmm. and what complicated rhymes he could write that would push him in that way and the whole thing the whole song is an analogy about exercise and i think about that a lot where you are you know maybe working on whatever it is your job is or your craft mm-hmm. your writing your painting your thing are there exercises that you have that kind of keep you in that mentality and keep you motivated and it doesn't have to be you working on a giant novel right you know what i mean yeah like what are those little exercise things that you do for yourself i you know like i could go with like there's the generic and pretty basic starting point of writing prompts and finding one that that's not so generic to where i'm like i roll this is stupid this is so lame like what the fuck uh but finding one that really is like that's gonna take me somewhere. That where my first initial reaction is to sit back and daydream about it for a little bit, and kind of get that vision in my head, and uh, and start trying to capture that vision in my head. And I do the same thing uh, with running. Like if I'm uh, on the treadmill, or if I'm doing a boring run to keep myself engaged, um, I visualize, and I'm like, okay, where, what do I want to see myself doing? So if I'm writing, I. Th- think about you know the characters what what is well not maybe not the characters as much as like where is the story gonna go why am I writing this why am I putting this down and then turn it into running like why am I doing this run where am I going on this run what is it that I want out of this run um is where like I want my mind to go there first because in that then I start seeing a picture and I'm like yeah, is this the picture that I want to see or is this where like um, what I need to see type of thing uh, and, and see what comes out of that. Um, and it's really weird and I see my students struggle with this too. So having that mental picture and trying to capture it on paper is really like sometimes we don't have the vocabulary to really write out what we're seeing and that's so freaking frustrating it's like no oh this sounds like I want to write like you know like with art you know like I want to paint like Picasso maybe or like Vincent van Gogh but it's coming out like a finger painting from a three-year-old like totally you know like I this a toddler could write better than this right now um same way with some of the runs I've had I'm like what (laughs) like I could get my ass kicked by like you know a, a two year old right now because I'm just <laughs> sucking it up so bad. Um, but yeah, but circle back around, it, it's like all about the self. Like, okay, cool, this is where you're at right now. Write like a two year old. Run like a two year old. There's no shame in that. <laughs> uh, you might feel shame. Cool, yeah, but you know. I love that. I think that's a really that's a great point. Some of the things that you're talking about remind me of like of parameters Mm -hmm. and how important parameters are and um, time limits Mm -hmm. and things like that 
and just knowing what the the what the goal is or what the boundaries are of something. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you are timing yourself on a run mm-hmm. and you are passing a certain tree, and you're like, "Hmm, yesterday it only took me it took me thirty less seconds to pass this tree." Yeah, I need to hurry up. <clears throat> or alternatively, if you notice yourself like really feeling energized that day. And you're like, I'm going I'm beating my time. Mm-hmm. This is a good feeling. Like that kind of competitive thing can really drive you. Yeah. Uh, even though it's made up. All of it is made up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's all it's it only so exists arbitrary. within you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, nobody will ever know about that tree. No, ne- <laughs> never. <laughs> we are our own worst critics. We will be tougher on ourselves no matter what we do than anybody else can ever be. And we can beat ourselves up to the point that like we can end up homeless in a gutter shooting heroin. Cool. Um, Now, granted, some people get to that point without themselves talking themselves into that. So, like, yeah, that's a whole other box of things. But we have that capacity. Like, we really can tear ourselves up pretty bad mentally. Um, And, sorry. (laughs) And it's being aware of that, of, like, wow we have that power within ourselves to really make something great or we can totally destroy ourselves. Um, and I, I like the challenge that running presents. I like the challenge of creating a story because it questions that it questions like, okay, you have a choice. What are you going to do about it? Like what, what's your choice going to be? Um, now granted, I haven't always chosen the best choices, uh, and that's life, you know, mm-hmm. like as long as you learn from that and and work towards making the better you, whatever that may look like for people, um, that's great. That's humanity. That's life uh, in running and story writing, um, storytelling. Like I've always loved listening to other people tell me stories. Um, it helps us get there because we have that time to ourselves when we're doing that uh, to think about those choices and to to really like be objective about it instead of like you said earlier being caught up in our our head our own feelings our own emotions about something we can take a pause and that's like (laughs) that cartoon image of the devil being on one shoulder the angel being on the other and like well what are you gonna do it's you know and maybe the devil path is what you need right there and you know the angel path will come along later you know and you just never know the way to me that running and stories seem connected is that you are taking this wild thing Mm -hmm. and you're taking you know like time limits for running Mm -hmm. like running is just the act of running Mm -hmm. but you put time limits on you know you started here and you ended here and this time and that's creating this boundary within Mm -hmm. this wild thing just like stories like the act of story making is taking this crazy life experience and turning it into a like putting a structure around it enough mm-hmm. so that other people can understand it in an interesting way and it's engaging to them and that's what storytellers do that's what comedians do that's yeah. what um poets do is like you're a you're a structure maker mm-hmm. essentially like you're kind of assessing whatever it is that happened to you and saying like, how is, how could another person interpret this 
mm-hmm. in an interesting way that kind of gives them the feeling of actually experiencing it. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing. But that, to me, that's what, that's how running and stories are ultimately the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then challenging the societal expectations of that structure um, and being like, cool, this may be like how stories are perceived, but I'm going to take that structure and, you know, play with it. We're going to go a little crazy. Um, A story that's always stuck out to me, and this is from like spending time on the the res um, as a kid. Uh, One of my mom's really close friends, um, it was just uh, she was off doing something with a group of people and he was watching us my brother and I my two of my sisters were super super little and we were just hanging out watching Geronimo and he was like hey I've got this really cool story I want to tell you and I was like sweet awesome yeah like I I love you know even as a little kid I love being read to I love reading books um and I read he showed me this story about this mouse uh, that ran through the desert and encountered different animals along the way. And each time he encountered an animal, that animal needed something that the mouse had. At the end of it, he comes across this falcon who, or eagle, um, that needed eyes. Like, I can't see, I'm gonna starve to death. And the mouse is like, I'm your prey, but I've been taught to give well, not taught, but like, anyways, here are my eyes so that you can live. And even though like this eagle could eat this mouse, he still gave him his eyes. Um, and then the eagle picked up the mouse or falcon, can't really remember, and flew into the sky. And he was like, you are, you're free now. Like you have, like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to eat you. Um, but you're free. Like you have given so much. Um, you've done so much. You've been through the desert and now you can live in peace. Like I've got your back basically. And that story has stuck with me till now. And it's like, when you're exercising, you give of yourself. When you're doing your art, you give of yourself. Um, and I think that's why I'm attracted to teaching is because you give of yourself and people see that and they return it. Like getting jazzed about a student succeeding on a assignment is giving back to me. Like that fills my cup feeling good and feeling like getting fit from a run that fills my cup. Um, and so I like to compare or think my life is like that mouse where I'm like, I'm running through the desert. I'm giving of myself. Eventually one day I'm going to get tired and I'm going to be okay. Well, Rachel, where can people reach you if you would like to be reached? (laughs) Never. No. Um, at fusion through my, uh, Fusion email. I prefer email because if I don't have your number, I'm not going to answer. That's a good call. Yeah. Because <laughs> people look for Kelly and I'm not Kelly. Stop calling this <laughs> phone number. It's been four years. Come on. So yeah, rharper at fusionacademy.com. Awesome. You can follow Summer League at Summer League HTX on Instagram. We're coming out with a new episode every week. Um, thank you so much, Rachel, for sitting down. This was great to catch cool. up with you. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad I got the opportunity. This was fun. Enjoyed thanks. it, sir. And we will see you next week. Woo-hoo. Bye. Bye.